Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. So we are starting a new series tonight, and it is called Response. And it's a three-week series about worship. Now, the question is, why are we doing a three-week series about worship? And I want to answer that for one moment. Um, One of the things that we uh, really believe in and we want the harbor to be about is that we want everyone to be welcome here. And we always say that you don't have to believe what we believe to be welcome here. And so I'm grateful whenever someone walks into a space like this that maybe is either uh, not, hasn't gone to church for a while and is looking to get back, or maybe is just kind of coming in for the first time. And I thought about it, and I was like, man, like, I, I always think about this, like, whenever, like, we're singing, and I, I love worship, but, like, we, you know, what, what we just did, the, the churchy word for that is worship or worship music. And sometimes I think about, like, it's a very strange thing if you think about that we just walk in here, and then we all stand up, and we all sing a song that pretty much most of us know, right? And, like, you don't go to AMC theaters And like before the movie, they're like, hey, just let you know, we're all going to stand up and you stand up and you're like, what's happening? And then like everybody else in the movie theater like knows the song. Like I didn't even know we were singing a song. And so I think like, like what a strange thing that we do here that we sometimes take for granted. And so I did. I wanted to just take a moment and like, let's examine it. Let's look at what the scripture says worship is and let's learn why it is that people who are followers of Jesus, like, desire to do this thing. So that's one reason. Um, But also, I think, for those of us who are followers of Jesus in this room, and I know many of us are, we genuinely want to serve and follow God, I think it's honestly something that we can take for granted. We can take for granted that we're walking in here and we are literally singing to the creator of the universe, but we can also take for granted that Actually, worship is, is much, much more than singing. And on that note, I want to preach a message to you based on just one simple verse tonight. And if you want to, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. But if you don't want to, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen, and it's just one simple verse. And the verse is this. It says in Romans 12, 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. So the title of my message tonight that I want to share with you is this, Worship is Not Singing. Worship is not singing. Now, I probably should have titled it Worship is Not Just Singing, but let's face it, Worship is Not Singing is more provocative, okay? So that's why I'm going with it. Now, God does love for us to sing to him. And if you look at the scripture, a lot of times we are commanded to sing and to, together in a community, worship through song. And so it's not bad to sing. And next week... I'm pretty sure I'm going to teach this message. I don't know. But next week, I'm going to teach a message called Worship is Singing. And we're going to look at 
why it is that God asks us and invites us into this moment of singing. But for now, we're going to look at this idea of worship is not singing. And this text that we just read, Romans 12.1, if you think about it, it's a, it's a pretty deep text. Like, it's no problem to spend an entire message looking at this text. And even just like on our first read, you know, there's words thrown out there like, you know, worship and sacrifice and body. And so there's like a lot of like things going on. And so what I want to do is I want to break it down and actually look at each section for a second. So we're going to put it on the screen again and we're going to try to to break it down. And and I'm going to look at this first section first. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of Of God's mercy. So the first thing that we notice is this word therefore. And I said this last week, but whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should always look backwards, look before to see why is that therefore, what is it therefore? And and we're to understand through this, and even you know, a little clue for you, Romans chapter 12 is where this passage is. How many chapters do you think come before Romans chapter 12? Come on, what do you got? 11, yes. It's not a trick question. Good job, Charlie. You're crushing it. Thank you. Star student. Um, Yes, there's 11 chapters. So this is in the middle of a thought. It's in the middle of a letter. It's in the middle of one of the most powerful letters ever written in human history. Paul's letter to the Romans. And so Paul is talking about God's mercy. He says, in view of God's mercy. So Paul wants us, before we think about worship at all, he wants us to think about the mercy of God, and you can write this down. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but worship is always a response. Worship is always a response. So me and some, some, some harbor buddies, uh, on Monday night, we went to Hemingway's, and they have half-priced wings on Monday night, a little hot tip for you. And I had never had their wings before, and I was told by my friends, uh, Stephen and Brian, they are phenomenal, the best wings ever. And you guys didn't, like, you guys literally did not oversell them. They were incredible. The first bite I took, I worshiped. I said, man, this is an incredible wing, one of the best I've ever eaten. And it was a moment of worship. It was a response to the goodness of the wing. A couple days ago, my friend came over for a cup of coffee at my house, and it's one of my favorite coffees, and I was very excited, and the two of us, we sipped coffee together, and when we sipped our coffee, we took a moment and we commented, this is, in fact, amazing coffee. That's worship. It's a response to something that's good. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is that that. We need to respond to what's good, and what's good is the mercy of God. Now, we don't have time to study all of Romans. Maybe one day, maybe in the fall, we'll study all of Romans. But here's basically the the, the highlight of Romans. Paul starts off the book of Romans, and he basically writes, and he says, literally, no one at all is doing a good job of seeking God. This is what he says in Romans 3.10. He says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. And then in Romans 3, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
So basically what he starts off with is saying is that there are some people who just decide, you know what, I'm not interested in a relationship with God. And they walk away and they, they reject the things of God and choose to pursue their own things. But then he also says, look, there's people who are around the things of God. They're good people. They act a certain type of way, but they too, their hearts are far from God. And listen, I think if you and I were to go around the room and talk, what I believe is that we would discover that our stories probably fall into one of those two categories. Like some of us, we didn't grow up in the church. We didn't grow up following Jesus and we kind of did our own thing. And then there was a moment where, bam, like God encountered us and our lives were radically changed. But some of us did grow up in the church. We did come to, uh, to, to, to church as a kid. We went to Sunday school. We knew all the songs. But I believe even for many of us who went, grew up in the church, we had a moment where we realized, man, even though I'm here, like I'm not really here in my heart. My heart is still far from God. And so what, what the scripture says is whether you started off far from God or whether you started off close to him, we are all None of us add up. None of us have done enough good things to make it to God. And by the way, this is like, this is the worst news. And we, we live right now in this very secular culture. And so in a secular culture, we pursue secular things. So our culture is very obsessed with things like fame and success and influence and wealth and prominence. And so those are the things that we dream about and yearn after the most. But if you think about that, if you think about the word that was just on that screen, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like if we take that seriously and we take that to its logical conclusion, which is that we are gonna end up in an eternity far from God, all of us should be freaking out about that. And, 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 and like the world should be freaking out about that. That's like the biggest problem that we have. And so God in his mercy, he has actually given us a solution to that problem. And if you grow up in church, you, you know this, or maybe you've heard the gospel presented before, you know this, but God's pre presentation of that problem, his solution to that problem is not, hey, y'all need to be good. It's not, hey, here's the list of things that you do, and if you do these things, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reach. It's like, no, no one seeks God, and so God's solution is, I'm coming to seek you. And so what he says, John 3, 16, is this, that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And in Romans 5 it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what the Apostle Paul says is, even though none of us on our own seek God, and even though none of us on our own can stack up enough good deeds to get to God, and even though all of us, because of that, are deserving of God's wrath that God has sent Jesus on a rescue mission. And Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins and to invite us into a relationship where we have peace with God and where we have a relationship with God, 
hope in this life, hope for the life to come. And if you read Romans 8, it's a, a, a laundry list of all the amazing benefits that come from a relationship with God. And so Romans chapter 1 through 11 is presenting this problem. The problem is that we don't seek God on our own. And then it's presenting the solution. And the solution is God in his generous mercy has created a way for us to have a relationship with God, which is what we need the most. So now we're in this place, the Apostle Paul is, where he says, in view of God's mercy. So so we need to, to, to see God's mercy. And when we see the mercy of God, our response to that is worship. Worship is always a response. So then Let's keep on looking at our scripture, and we're going to put it up on the screen and emphasize a little something different. And so in view of God's mercy, how we're going to respond is we're going to do this. We're going to offer our bodies. The apostle says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I want to focus, as you can see, on this idea of offering our bodies. And when we do that, this is our true and proper worship. Now, that sounds like a very weird thing. It sounds like I'm getting, like, super creepy up here or something, saying offering your body. Everyone's like, whoa, Brian, easy goes now. Like, it's 2021. You can't be talking like that anymore, okay? But, but I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul, he does not say, hey, listen to me. Create your favorite 10 songs on Spotify and hit repeat. That is your true and proper worship. No. He doesn't say, when concerts reopen due to COVID, find the nearest worship concert that you can and go and jam out, and that will be your true and proper worship. No, he doesn't say, when you come to the harbor from 7 o'clock to 7.20, there's going to be three songs, and then when Brian finally gets done preaching, there's going to be another song, and during that time, you worship, and that's your true and proper worship. No, he says, what you're to do is you are to present yourself, your body, your whole being to God, and that's the proper worship. The second thing that I want you to write down is this, that Worship, there, there is never a moment when we aren't worshiping. There's never a moment when we aren't worshiping. So I want you to think about this. Every person that you saw today was worshiping. Every coworker you had was worshiping. And you say, Brian, no, uh-uh. Like, listen, my coworker, I've tried to talk to him about God. He will not have it. He hates God. He, he is against God. He is an atheist, doesn't believe in God at all. No way he is worshiping. He was worshiping. He was worshiping today. You are worshiping today. And we may not have been worshiping God, but we were worshiping something. And maybe that coworker who is a, a passionate atheist is worshiping power or fame or comfort or approval or some cultural narrative but it is literally impossible to not worship. G.K. Chesterton, he famously said, when we cease to worship God, we don't worship nothing, 
We worship anything. And so the reality is, all of us in here, there's no one who's excluded from worshiping. And every single thing that we do is an act of worship. That's why the Apostle Paul, he wrote in another section of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So in other words, when you show up to work, there's a way that you can show up to work that worships Jesus. There's a way that you can actually eat your food that brings glory to Jesus. And I like to think I was doing that with my Hemingway's wings. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know, but I'd like to believe it. That there's a way that you can structure your free time, the discretionary income that you have that can worship Jesus. The decisions that you make with your sexuality can worship Jesus. Every part of life, every sphere of life is under the influence of God and and everything that we have in our possession, we can give to God as an act of worship. So he says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. We're gonna talk a little bit more about what that means in just a second, but I wanna show us one more thing from this verse. We're gonna put it up on the screen one more time. And I wanna highlight something, this idea of as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, anyone who read this scripture, who was familiar with the first two-thirds of our Bible, the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, they would have been very familiar with the idea of the sacrificial system. Now, let me explain something. If you read the first two-thirds of your Bible, you'll notice that you're gonna get to Exodus And you're going to notice that God starts commanding his people, the children of Israel, to start worshiping him through animal sacrifices. It was incredibly common at the time. Every religion did it. And and, and God chose that that was going to be the way that he related to his people at that time. Now, those sacrifices were all leading up to Jesus as our perfect sacrifice. Hebrews says, look, because Jesus was our perfect sacrifice, we don't need the sacrifices of blood and, or of bulls and goats anymore. That's why, like, you just came in here with your Bible. You didn't, like, lead a goat in here to worship, okay? And we can all be thankful for that, amen? Like, people are like, listen, I, I hate bringing my mask to worship. And I'm like, listen, I know that. But they used to have to like literally like drag their bull in. Like that's worship. So I mean, at least we can be thankful for that. You know what I mean? That's a tangent. That's not in my notes, but whatever. But, but here's what's interesting about these animal sacrifices. And this phrase happens a couple of times in the scripture when God is describing his animal sacrifices. And, and he's commanding it. And, and it's in Exodus chapter 29. Look at what it says on the screen. God giving instruction. He says, burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. And this is what I want you to focus on. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. So the idea here is that the people, in an effort to worship God and to connect with God, at the time, they did these sacrifices. And these sacrifices It was a pleasing aroma to God that he was pleased with how that looked. 
Now, as we said, we do not do animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus was once and for all the sacrifice for our sins. But what Paul is evoking in this imagery is this idea that there's still a way that we sacrifice. And he's saying, listen, Benny the bull is safe. Larry the lamb is safe. Like, we're not sacrificing Larry the lamb anymore. But he is saying, you and I, we present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And that that picture is that just like back then, that sacrifice was a pleasing aroma to God. There is a way that we can live that's a pleasing aroma to God. Holy and acceptable to him. And so the question is, how do we do that? How do we present ourselves to God in such a way that it is pleasing and that it is acceptable to him? Well, I just want to share three thoughts with you as we close. The, the, the first thought about this idea that we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is this, that worship is not sending positive vibes into the universe. But worship is directing every part of our bodies towards honoring God. Now, now again, we think sometimes that, that, that we kind of have this idea that, you know, when I'm worshiping, it's when I throw on Mav City or I throw on Hillsong United and I, I get these, these warm feelings. And again, that is a part of worship. I don't want you to feel bad about your worship session driving to, in your car to work. Like, man, that is a beautiful thing. I worshiped so much this morning as I was coming in. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to like say I'm awesome. I'm just saying like they encouraged me. I was feeling anxious and I was rolling in and it encouraged me. So please don't hear me say like you're lame because you're listening to worship music. But what I am saying is that, that when God thinks about worship, he's not just thinking, hopefully they're in there singing, but what he's thinking is, I hope that in view of, of, of my mercy and what I've done, that they are presenting themselves to me and making themselves available to me. And, and, and this question, what does it look like to present our bodies to God? And, and I, wanna, I want us to think about this for a second because I think it's a really interesting thing. Think about Jesus and how he lived on this earth. Jesus was God, but he was also God in the flesh. He had a human body. And so Jesus, think about Jesus' eyes. Jesus' eyes never looked in an inappropriate or a lustful way at anyone. And, and he had opportunities. There, there's moments where, where, where prostitutes would, would, would wash his feet or where people would make themselves maybe available to him, but, but he did not lust. But he didn't just not lust, but he actually went so far as to look at every single person and see how God saw them. Think about Jesus' ears that Jesus didn't just say, you know what, I'm just not going to listen to rap music with swear words in it, you know? But, but Jesus actually said, I'm going to remove myself from everything, and I'm going to listen to God and how God speaks. Jesus' mouth spoke 
life. It's, he spoke the words of God to people. Jesus' mind and his heart, they desired the things of God. And they thought the thoughts of God. Jesus' hands and feet, they actually walked and, 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 and brought healing wherever they went. And so what I believe is that for you and I, we are actually invited into that same exact kind of relationship with God. In Romans 6, the Apostle Paul kind of expounds on this idea, and he says this. He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members, your members, that's your body parts, like your physical body, present that to God as instruments for righteousness. So it's literally a thinking about my body, a thinking about the place where I live and saying every part of me should be presented to God. Now again, this is a living sacrifice. So we're not like chopping off hands here and being like, here you go, God. No, we, we are living in our bodies, but, but as we are living, we are actually saying, God, how can I live in such a way that I'm presenting myself to you. So how can I look and God, I surrender my eyes to you. And I say, please help me to see people the way you see them. I surrender my ears to you. Help me to listen to you and help me to listen to those around me. God, I, I surrender my mouth to you. May I not say things that tear down. May I not just speak to get noticed or to be loved but may I speak the words that you want me to speak, words of life to those around me. God, I think about my heart and my mind, and God, may I not be caught up in the cultural narratives that are trying to pull me away from you and your kingdom, but may my heart beat for the things that your heart beat for. May I love the poor like you love the poor. May I be drawn to the type of people that Jesus was drawn to. I think about my hands and feet and I say, God, these hands and feet are yours. I think about every aspect of me and I say, I'm making a choice to present it to God. And you know, I think for us, sometimes in worship songs or in sermons, we can kind of, you know, get exhorted to, you know what, just give it all to God, fully surrender. And sometimes we can do that and also be like, you know what, I don't, even, I don't even know what that means. But this is an actual practical way that we can do this, to examine literally our whole bodies and say, God, I want to present this to you, and I want this to be used for your glory. The second thing that I want you to just think about as we're wrapping things up tonight is this, that we build the altar and God provides the fire. So listen, every command that you read in the Bible, every single one of them, is designed to be impossible apart from a relationship with God. Because remember, God is not relating to us based on our good deeds. He's relating to us based on Jesus' perfection and that Jesus died for our sins and that we put our faith in him. So we don't come to God and say, God, look at how good I did. I'm presenting my body to you as a living sacrifice. No, 
We already come to God fully accepted because Jesus died for us and we're already justified by faith in him. But, 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 but now God has designed that he, he gives us these commands and he says, listen, I want to partner with you. It's my Holy Spirit and it's you and together we're going to walk this out. So this is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is a divine partnership between God and us. And here's the reality. This is going to happen imperfectly. Like uh, the D.L. Moody, he had this quote. He said, the problem with living sacrifices is that they keep crawling off the altar. So like you and I, we are going to continue to to, to mess up. We're going to continue to trip and continue to move forward. And we just got to keep getting back up. There's going to be seasons where we are doing really good at something and seasons where we struggle in other areas. I'm in a season right now, to be honest, where like it has been really challenging in my prayer life. And I've been trying to present my prayer life to God and say, God, I, I want to do better at prayer. But I've just been super distracted and super foggy in my thinking and it, and it really like has been a challenge. I've asked my guys in my discipleship group, like, please pray for me because I want to do better in this area. And so again, there are going to be seasons where we struggle. There are going to be seasons where we are, are challenged to move forward, but the invitation is to continue to move forward. And when we realize we've crawled off the altar, to crawl back on. The last thing I want to share with you is this, and, and we'll close with this, and the band, you guys can start headed back up. But our worship to God is a fragrance to the world. And the reality is that, that you and I, as, as followers of Jesus, we are not called to conform to the things of this world. That's actually Romans 12 too, and we could do a whole other Bible study on that. Not the time, we won't do it tonight. But we are called to look radically different. It's not just that you and I are supposed to know a lot of good theological facts and know a lot of Bible stories and come in here and have a great time on Thursday night and then walk out and we look exactly like our coworkers in every other way. No, we are supposed to be the rebellion, we are supposed to be the resistance. Like, we are the compelling alternative to the world. Now, we don't do it in a violent way. We don't do it in a, in, a, in a way where we are belligerent to those around us. We do it in a way where we are serving. But we are the peaceful, compelling alternative to a chaotic and anxious world. And listen, as we present our bodies as living sacrifices, this will happen. As we walk into our offices and walk into coffee shops and walk into our neighborhoods and say, I want to be different. I want to live differently. I want my eyes, my ears, my mouth, every part of me to, to be about the things of God. There's going to be something different about me. And some people are absolutely going to love it. And some people are not going to love it. In fact, I'll close with this verse. It's a Pretty wild one. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we learn that our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. In other words, when we surrender to God, we are that sweet-smelling aroma. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved 
and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? In other words, listen, if you want to make a difference in people's lives, if you want to bring people to Jesus, you have to be okay with the fact that some people are going to hate it. We're not going to be loved by everybody. But as we present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, we are going to be a a fragrance that invites people to God. And many will come. And some will not. And we love and we serve and we pray for every single one, no matter their reaction. Because that's what we're called to do, because we're called to be like Jesus. Guys, let's pray. God, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the reality that you literally died for us so that we could be near you. And God, I pray that we would never lose sight of that. I pray that we would never grow weary of that. I pray that we would never get used to that. But that in view of your mercy, we would always live in such amazing, amazing gratitude. And God, I pray for each one of us that we would take this call seriously. I do wanna give an opportunity for anyone who doesn't know Jesus and has realized that they are far from God and they need to turn to God. I wanna give them an opportunity to come to a relationship with Jesus. God loves you. He created you for a relationship with him and he wants you to walk with him. And he's given you this invitation right now to do that. So I just wanna invite you in this moment right now just to pray and ask God to become the king of your life, to become the Lord of your life. To say, God, I don't want to walk living for my own, building my own kingdom or building someone else's kingdom. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my Lord. Trust that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he invites you into a new life. Just pray a prayer like that to God crying out in your heart to him. And if you did pray that prayer and you believe that you made a decision to either come back to God or to follow God for the first time, I want everybody just to look up for one second. You can um, open your eyes. Um, This number, 321-312-0788, this is an opportunity for you to text in. So if you prayed that prayer, just text yes to that number. Someone will reach out to you and get you connected with that relationship with God. The other thing is, as we uh, dismiss in just a couple moments, you can feel free to talk to myself or anyone else and let them know, man, I wanna start this relationship with God. How do I do it? All right, so because it's a worship series, we wanted to leave a little bit of time at the end to respond in worship. Even though worship is not just singing, we still can sing in worship. And so I wanna invite you to stand to your feet and I wanna invite you to sing. And as you sing, make these songs a prayer to God and ask God, man, what from the message are you speaking to me and how do you want me to move forward? So God, speak to us in this time. And God, I do pray that as we sing, these songs would be a pleasing aroma to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.